Welcome to the I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and eventually eventually Jeff Lasseter. Uh, he's <laughs> not here yet. We're not going to tell you why. We'll let him tell that story later, if he chooses to or not. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, this is our year in review episode. So you know where all the links are at. You know how to follow us. You know our patreon.com slash critics pods, the best way to support the podcast. You know our T public links at IHateCritics.net. Uh, Sean's, where are your movie reviews? It's at uh, geeks.media, horror.media. And of course, uh, just follow me on Twitter at podcast Sean. You'll find all the links there. And they're in our uh, show notes as well. Go ahead. I posted a new trailer as well today for a movie called Jurassic Triangle. I don't know. It's a weird looking movie. It doesn't look very good, but I was having fun. So I posted a, a trailer for that. And uh, looked, there's an industrial complex for these movies that are these knockoff films. Uh, the, the two people who star in this movie, Jurassic Triangle, and why I wanted to do this is because each of them starred in at least nine movies last year. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I mean, these are porno numbers, and these are not pornography, as far wow. as I understand it. Uh, these aren't porn. Uh, they're putting out porno numbers, though, in terms of like knockoffs. Like the one guy's starring in a movie. Uh, what's it called? Um, not Snakes on a Plane. He's doing Spiders on a Plane. Uh, like, as if that's still relevant today. But like this woman who's starring in the movie is, was also in Dinosaur Hotel 3. Uh, 1, 2, and 3, actually. <laughs> like, it's just a weird. So that just kind of. Uh, that just kind of struck me, and I wanted to I wanted to mention it, so I did an article on it. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> All right, we are going to do our year in review this episode, but we're going to wait for Jeff to get here. Uh, there were we missed last week's episode just due to the way Christmas landed. Uh, so we're going to Sean and I are going to go back and talk about the Iron Claw as that came out uh, during our break, and we're also both big wrestling fans and. Anyway, I'll let you start. Yeah, uh, The Iron Claw, directed by Sean Durkin and starring uh, Zach Efron as uh, Kevin Von Erich, uh, the, uh, kind of the oldest of the uh, Von Erich family uh, and the one who's still alive. Uh, these, uh, the, the Von Erichs, they were a wrestling family. Uh, they became huge in Dallas in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Their dad ran the territory there uh, fritz von eric who's played by holt mccallany in the movie uh kevin von eric is played by zach efron you've got carrie and michael and uh yeah they the, the von erics are a legendary wrestling family there's just a there's a lot of lore uh and trying to it's certainly something that i would absolutely recommend making a movie about just not this movie because they had to they decided to compromise the timeline so spectacularly that they that they basically had all of the incidents of the von eric family happen within like a six-month period and this is a tragedy that unfolded over more than a decade uh included some incredible stories i mean the the fact is that there were there were uh not it weren't merely uh just these three brothers there were four brothers (laughs) uh one of which but three of them ended up dying as professional wrestlers, uh, two of them by suicide, one of them either by a drug overdose or via enteritis while he was overseas. Uh, and th- that's a lot of tragedy for one single family. So you would assume 
that would make for a tremendous movie. But with the way that they structure this story, uh, they com- they compact the timeline so badly that the biggest incidents in the history of the Von Erich family, like I said, are comprised in like about a six month period. Uh, and it's just not necessary to do it that way. It, it makes it feel completely unbelievable. And I realize that this is a story that already seems completely unbelievable that, that, uh, you know, of, of four brothers, three of them are dead. Uh, uh, two of them by, you know, such tragic means right. one by just, you know, but I mean, just the, the, the idea that there would be that much tragedy in a single family just blows your mind. Well, I guess I would like to <clears throat> offer a different take on that. Cause while I, I've more than it's not like they put a timeline on the screen. I, I think it was more of a pacing issue because <laughs> it yeah. does feel like this is a long movie and they do take a while. They, all the tragedy happens like in the last quarter of the movie, more or less last third, at least. And Ooh. so it's very bang, bang, bang. Like, uh, like, I don't think the Carrie Von Eric and the other brother happened within a week, but it kind of feels that way. I mean, the way they put it together, he does go to the WWF and become <laughs> Texas tornado. And, but they don't go into any of that. He just is there and it, yeah. they just move so fast. So I think it's, really a pacing problem to the point where there isn't really a story. Uh, there is a moral and a point, and, and I think they accomplished that just fine, but uh, it's not that strong of a moral and point uh, that it makes the movie great. I, I don't know. The other part, and I think I think you got me here, but I don't like <laughs> biopics that much. Yeah, I used to, and then we start doing the show, and I'm like, all of a sudden, all the flaws and almost all of them, unless they're done in a very unique and creative way, you know, like the Elton John one, Rocket Man, and yeah. a few others. But the rest, you have to take characters out, you have to combine characters, you got to play with the story, you got to play with the timeline to compress it into a one movie, and. At the end of the day, it's just stuff happening, and the story doesn't exist anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. This really should be about how, and it is, but how Kevin von Erich, how they're, you know, Fritz von Erich, the, the way what he taught them was so wrong and immoral, and yeah. uh, and how he's gonna when he grows up and he's gonna have a family and he's gonna do it this way, and it's there, but it's so behind the scenes which in some in some ways i appreciate that but i almost think it's lost because it really isn't this big moment at the end you know when it should yeah. be it's a it's a very it's a very like a it's a downbeat ending of course obviously because of the the subject matter but yeah it just sort of peters out as opposed to being this big emotional moment where i would have done something with you know kevin monarch actually came back and wrestled alongside his two sons uh, right. in, in MLW. Uh, and that could have been a really great moment to, sell, to, to, to end on and celebrate, you know, this family and what they've accomplished in professional wrestling. But this is, this is more along the line of tragedy porn. This is just, uh, this is just indulging in, in every aspect of the, of the family tragedy of the, of the Von Erics in a way that, that feels unseemly. It feels like we're just exploiting this and, <laughs> they left out an entire brother. <laughs> like, left out the the most dramatic of them. I mean, this kid was Chris Von Eric was born with brittle bones and was still so desperate to be a wrestler alongside of his brothers that he got in the ring anyway. 
and ended up hurting himself and then ending up taking his own life. I mean, Carrie's story gets truncated to the point where, like, they pretend he doesn't have a wife. They pretend he never had a kid. Uh, his, this is a man who managed to hide the fact that he lost the bottom portion of his leg and still went on to become the W. He went to WWE after he lost a portion of his leg. And nobody knew. <laughs> and nobody knew about it. Uh, granted, that's a lot of that is just such a tragic story of him using so many painkillers that he was just killing himself slowly. Uh, and But the fact that you, they just gloss over the fact that he managed to do this thing and become the Intercontinental Champion in the WWE, the second highest title to Hulk Hogan at the time in WWE, that's crazy to me that, they, that you would not make that a point that you want to celebrate, but they gloss it over because they're so focused on Kevin's story. And well, they do, they're doing that because Kevin's the one who's still alive and has the rights to the story. And because Kevin has some, you know, uh, some, I guess, a little bit of uh, not control, but certainly some, they want to satisfy him. They're not going to go hard on, on his dad because he doesn't go hard on his dad. Uh, and they're not going to go go into his whole family because they're keeping the story focused on him. Yeah, I, I but they it wasn't focused on him enough either. It, they really had to pick a... It was too focused on Kevin for the ensemble, what they were trying to show. Mm-hmm. But the, it really should have been about one of them and everybody it really, else. It should have been about Fritz be about, being yeah. the ultimate villain. I mean, the things that he did. I mean, when his son, Michael, they, they gloss over this as well, but it, he pushed that kid out of a coma to get on television to say that he's making his gonna, he's going to make his big comeback uh, and be the miracle, miracle Mike. Uh, he's gonna, and that's a thing that, that he did. Tried mm-hmm. to push the kid back into wrestling after he had nearly died uh, from, a, from an infection, uh, from, a re- from a match. Uh, that he pushes him out on TV when he's clearly just, I mean, if you watch the actual video footage, it's terrifying. Yeah. He is not there. He's not there. And his dad pushed him to do that. Fritz is the villain. And for, for whatever reason they want to pretend that he's not completely the villain, I don't understand. They do show him early on, like doing horrible things like ranking his children. Like, <laughs> could you imagine if you're, you're two, you've got two kids, which one's in first place right now, Bob? <laughs> right and they do it throughout the movie too he changes I, it's, the whole thing is it's it, it's kind of like the way scorsese approached wolf of wall street they're not he's really not judging his characters he's just presenting them uh the problem I, I mean again there's a lot good here there's a lot of wasted performances i thought in a great movie you know we're talking about how mara tyranny in the side is so defeated and doing such a good job of uh you know, quietly by not being a main part of the movie, you know, carrying this thing, but instead it's wasted. Uh, the dude, uh, the kid from Shameless, who plays Carrie Von Eric, I want to yeah. see his movie because he, I would almost <laughs> he say he was better than Zac Efron, and he's barely in this thing. And he's got such a dramatic story, and they just don't use any of it. Yeah, not you got the story. One, you got the most popular of all of them, at least because he went to the WWF. He was my favorite wrestler for a year. Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't believe that, though. I couldn't believe the the way that they treated that character and just glossing over so many of the most important moments. Like they they barely even mentioned the fact that he became, you know, the NWA champion. I mean, that gets they because they immediately 
they immediately turned that into him winning that the same night going out and being in his motorcycle accident, right. which is not happened. It was no. two years later. He was in the motorcycle accident two years later. And in a better movie, I wouldn't care. You know, that something like that is something you do to speed these movies Ooh. up. Uh, but because it's just not, I don't know, it's it just, and I can't even imagine why people love it that aren't wrestling fans either. I mean, again, the performances I, are fine, There's, but it's just, there's no story. It's just shit's happening and then it ends. I think I think this is another case of the most of something. Uh, this is the most tragic and the most sad. And Zac Efron is being the most sad of anybody in any movie. And uh, <laughs> I think that's just the not to take away. I don't think he's bad in the movie. No. I don't think it's a bad performance. I think it's just a it's a performance that is demonstrative. It's a performance in a movie that is intended to be heavily mel- melodramatic. Uh, which I gotta talk about this. I'm sorry. I know this is gonna be one of those wrestling things that people don't want to hear about, but this idea that he wrestled a match against Ric Flair that was for the title that he lost, and that his father and his brother were disappointed that he lost by disqualification because he went too far and he got himself disqualified, and he goes in the back and they're disappointed in him. <laughs> Fuck that. Fritz wrote that ending, he wrote it. Professional wrestling isn't a real sport. Why are you dramatizing this into pretending that wrestling is real? Why are you trying to keep kayfabe at one moment and then saying, and then, you know, talking about how this guy wins the championship tomorrow night in another moment? Make up your mind. Is wrestling real? Is it not real? Like, it's such bullshit. But then they have this scene backstage where they're disappointed in him for getting disqualified and losing the title. And then Ric Flair comes walking in and asks him to go for a beer. This would never happen in the 1980s. Guys got fired for being seen. If the good guys were seen with the bad guys, you could get fired for that. Ric Flair would never walk into the Von Erich locker room. I'm sorry. I know that's a stupid wrestling thing, and nobody cares, but I care. It made me feel dumb watching it. Well, the, the whole Ric Flair thing was a mess. I'm not as oh. bothered by the... Because they do do a good enough job, in my opinion, that... Uh, just joining us in the mid-conversation, but they do a good enough job with that where they make it sound like Fritz didn't write it and that he just went off script. So I could take it that way. Uh, But the whole Ric Flair said, hey, Jeff, sorry, we started talking about the wrestling movie without you. We'll bring it back (laughs) in in a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But the whole Ric Flair thing was a disaster. Like, and everybody's saying that, uh, even the people that are liking the movie, they should have... I think I told Sean this offline. They should have treated Ric Flair like Air treated Michael Jordan in that movie, where you maybe you hear his voice, but you mm-hmm. never truly see him because he's licensed from actual audio. Exactly. Yes. yes. Or, or use some of the, of the Von Eric's own archive. Right. Uh, I'm sure they've got archive of a of a Flair promo that could have thrown in there. He's that too recognizable. Yeah. To, to have a guy try to play him and then to do it that poorly. Oh. So bad. Yeah. Yeah, That was a a very big disappointment. But, I mean, I'm not going to say I hate the movie. I just guess I'm disappointed by it uh, Mm -hmm. because. Sean Dirk is a very good director. He is a very good director. And and there are elements of this that are are incredibly well acted. There are good ideas here. But I'm sorry, just so much of it is is so needlessly done. 
and so carelessly done that I just I can't get behind it. This is one of those things where, you know, usually when you have a passion project, you can feel the passion of the director, and it really makes it even better. This is one of those where it's he has he likes it so much that he can't let things go, and mm-hmm. he's not. I don't know. He, he, he wants to include. He wants too much in there, but at the same time, he's pulling other things out, and he just ends up kind of with a mess. Uh, and even like tragedy porn, like I like Manchester by the Sea, you know that's tragedy porn. But at least there's a good story that goes with it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? This is just kind of stuff happening, and I just feel like you had a bunch of wasted performances. You know, wasted direction. I mean, a lot of it just could have been so good if just really if it was a TV show and they took their time. That's really yeah. the only way to do a story this long, or just pick one of the characters and do it that way. Yeah. Anything else on Iron Claw before we bring Jeff fully into the show? <laughs> I, I I did not put it on my worst of the year list. It's not on my. It's not on the top ten worst movies of the year. It's 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 a middling bad, not a completely terrible. Well, because it's not on our list as good either. Uh, us being <laughs> wrestling fans, I wanted to talk about it at some point. We hadn't gotten the chance up to now, and yeah. uh, and Jeff wasn't here, so it was a perfect time. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. I got pulled over tonight for doing 60 and a 55. Oh, that's that that's fucking you and Leclerc. It's <laughs> <laughs> coming over the 74 bridge. I didn't get a ticket. Oh, thank that's God. Good. I decided that. This is a lesson for he's pulling people over and telling them that not a not a mile over fifty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh, wow. meanwhile people are blowing by at a hundred. But yeah, say I went across yeah, yeah. eighty five this morning. <laughs> all, well, hold on though, there was a flood in my building. Like one of the toilets had been overflowing all holiday weekend, and so oh, I get a call. You need to get here. There's an inch of water on the showroom floor. Oh my god! And somehow I didn't get pulled over. <laughs> Uh, because i was in a hurry because i had to be somewhere is why i got yeah i didn't get a ticket i just got a warning as as we're sitting there and people are literally doing 85 90 miles an hour off the bridge right (laughs) that's how that works Mm -hmm. Uh, you're you're, you're (laughs) repping back from uh from the movies right what's that you're rushing back from the movies is that right I was not actually. Uh, I had to run a bunch of errands this afternoon, and I just said, "You know what? My top ten is where it is." All right. So that's kind of how I started the show. I had five more to do, and Sean's like, "Let's go!" And I'm like, "All right, I'll just write five movies down." <laughs> so, uh, is there anything you guys want to talk about prior to going to our top tens? Yep. Yeah. Uh. There's a an S a Jacob Elordi's bathwater candle. <laughs> I just saw that just as I was like waiting for my computer to come up. Was that on Goop? What's that? Was that on Goop? <laughs> no, just Etsy. And one of my friends who posted it was like, it probably just smells like vanilla. It's an Etsy candle, so it's probably just you know. I said it would be better if it tasted like salt and pineapple. Oh my god! <laughs> or smelled like salt and pineapple. That was, ah. when we get to that movie, that's one of my, I, I wasn't here the show you guys <laughs> talked about it. Uh, I watched it over the weekend. That's where my wife tapped out. And that was like really when the movie started taking off too. Yeah. 
All right. So are we jumping right into our top tens, or are there any other movies we? I do want to just do a quick uh, thing on you know just honorable mentions, things that didn't make my list. Uh, do you want to do I love the end. Oh, okay. Only because it might be on our list, and then okay. we can knock off uh, all of them that we didn't talk about. I'm just Sorry. throwing it out there. Sorry. No, that's fine. All right. Who wants to start? Well, I think since Sean has seen movies that we'll never see for two years in the Quad Cities, I think he should go so that we can talk about it. Yeah, that's the old, the biggest problem. Is I always feel like my list is inferior because there's so many movies I can't see or haven't seen or don't have I access to see. Listen, we're looking at Sean's list. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. All right, Sean, number 10. You got to come over to my house more. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> we live like in a forty-five mile, forty-five minute triangle from one another, don't we? <laughs> like that. Uh, my number ten is the Zone of Interest, uh, directed by Jonathan Glazer. It was one of the last movies I saw before I made my list. Uh, this is a, a remarkable film about a, the commandant of Auschwitz and his family living next door to Auschwitz, and them going through just their mundane everyday lives as if. They don't live next door to a place that is exterminating Jewish people at a remarkable pace. Uh, the it, it is a it is a stunning movie just for what you don't see because what you are seeing is just this mundane everyday life where these people are just I mean a package arrives and it's full of stuff that was taken from from Jewish people and is now going to be given to these people just because they live next door and you know he's in charge. Uh, you know, so you and you're just watching his wife like put on a uh, a mink coat that belonged to a Jewish person. I mean, just just trying it on. This hers now, you know. Just and they just treat this like this is just their normal everyday life. Uh, you're watching them play in their bizarre. You know, there's this large backyard that they have. Where they've got a pool and they've got all these you know just nice little things spread, spread around, so you can just spend time in the garden. Meanwhile, you can see smoke in the background. Uh, their house is lit up at night by fire. Uh, it just, and there's only one source where that could be coming from. And it's just, it's just the horror of it is just hits you so hard, even though you're not seeing it. Everything that you don't see is in your head the entire time. And that just makes everything so much more horrible. It is an incredible film. Yeah. Just reading your review of it was like, I mean, even you talking about it now, it's like, uh, I want to see this so bad, not for, I mean, it just, I don't know. It seems so smart, you know, just on director of under the skin too. Oh, God damn it. Is it available? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know what their release plan is. Honestly, it's a, it's the release plans this year are so weird. I don't understand what they think it's going to be like that going forward due to streaming. Unfortunately, Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, now I, I didn't even realize that's who the guy was. God, this sucks. I want to see that really bad now. Who's next? Jeff, you want to go? Uh, sure, I'll go. Um, my number 10 is Talk to Me. We talked, when you mentioned that earlier, I was like, oh, yeah. It was on my handwritten list, but I I when I posed everything into my notes app, I, I forgot it. And I was like, wait, something should be here, but whatever. Uh, it is 
me, I I watched that again the other night, and it's so different and so fresh and amazing that a couple of these like Australian dude bros could make a movie like this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like those guys. Um, they just the premise of it is something so different that you you know you've never really uh thought about um uh the performances everything about it is just top notch and it was a really good year for horror and this is one of the best horror movies that came out in 2023 um there were, i mean so many like i've got a bunch of honorable mentions that are <laughs> pretty much horror um i just i liked I like the cast. I like the fact that the little brother, you know, is not, not one of those annoying little brother characters. So you feel really bad when what happens to him happens to him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just it's everything about it. I just, I thought was so good and we'll keep it in my rotation when I need something in the background. Yeah. I'm going to get to it later, but it's, Everything from beginning to end was just well thought out. That no point is there something that happens that pulls you out of the movie where you're like, "Yeah, I, I'm out. This is I would never do that, or this yeah. person would do that." It's just, it, and it's, I don't know. They just were aware of what other movies do, and they did the other thing, or they did their own thing, uh, one mm-hmm. or the other. It, it just, I probably went too high on my list because <laughs> I didn't think that hard about my list. It was, but that one stuck with me all year, and I. That's why it's as high as it is when we get to it later. When I, I should say, too, when I made this, forgetting that I had written it down, it probably would have gone higher for me. Um, I'm I probably more of like a number six for me. Good trying to guess uh, I mean, list. I don't know how pedestrian my tastes are, but, <laughs> you know, I think that it, it, it probably... What when I get to my number six, that's probably where this would really lie. I just I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna put it here and knock knock my number ten out of the top ten, but just barely. So that's, that's fair. I, I'm a big fan. I thought I, I thought the ending of this movie was tremendous. What a great ending! I mean, the 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 choices that they made that led up to it made the ending so so dramatic and so you know purposeful i mean it it's phenomenal it, it's a phenomenal ending and i got the hand for christmas or i bought it to give to one of my kids and then neither one of them wanted to watch it so i just put it in the closet uh, my birthday's in april yes <laughs> <laughs> i'll get you the jacob alordi <laughs> and you can give it to Lindsay. <laughs> Oh my God, that is a. Ah, there's so many friends I would give that to now that I. <laughs> Remind me of this at the end of the show because that is going to be a great gift. Okay. All right. My number 10 is Flora and Son. Uh, Sean gave us a list of movies to watch towards the end of the year, and I was having to be on the plane, so I downloaded that and watched it on my phone. Uh, and anytime there's music involved in a movie and it's well done, I just I elevate that uh, over a lot of other things. And I could have watched Flora and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character writing songs all day long. I mean, that, if the whole movie was just them on Zoom, I'd have been fine with that. But the movie itself is phenomenal. Uh, 
you know, obviously it's about her son who's troubled. You got a, the father is, you know, basically not much of a father figure. He's only there when he absolutely has to be, when he's guilted into it. Uh, and it's just her relationship with him and, you know, her being immature and just all of that coming together at the, the right time. It's very frustrating, but at the same time, it's very good. And I'm terrible at talking about this stuff. So I know you saw it, Sean. <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah, it was on. It's on my honorable mention list. Uh, Eve Hewson and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, just amazing chemistry. Uh, Jack Rayner from uh, Midsommar is mm-hmm. in there as well as the dad and the kid. Oren Kindlin is is very natural kid. You know, he's a very he's, he's what he's a teenager who feels like a teenager. He he's such a dick. <laughs> no, but not a complete dick. You know, <laughs> not like a an overly pronounced dick, but just the right teenage dickishness. It's perfect. Uh, but I, I love the interactions between Eve Houston and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, the, those scenes of them making music together are just, just wonderful and romantic and sweet and smart and incredibly well put together. Of course, this is John Carney who did once. I mean, I, I've loved every John Carney movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he doesn't miss for me. Songs, uh, Sing Streets and uh, Begin Again. He's just he's amazing. I'll watch anything he does. This might even be my second favorite of all of us. I, I, I'm a parent, and I so desperately wanted her to go see him in California or wherever <laughs> they lived. And that's not the way a parent's supposed to react to this movie. But uh, anyway, it was it's very good. I hope Josh Adams has had a chance to see it, because I think he'll love it. What do you got for number nine, Sean? My number nine is All of Us Strangers, directed by Andrew Hay and uh, starring just a couple of incredible actors, uh, Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal. Uh, and the story of, of a lonely man living in a very, you know, a very empty apartment building in London. Uh, he is researching a book about his life and his family, and uh, he goes back to his childhood home and somehow, through some sort of magic, his parents, uh, played by uh, Claire Foy and Jamie Bell, are there, and they recognize him uh, as, a, as an adult, and they welcome him in, and he gets to tell them about his life and well, who he is. He never got to come out to them uh, because they died when he was so young, and so now this is him you know, processing through that and telling them who he is now and processing their responses, and you don't know if this is real magic or if this is just him you know a trauma response from him uh just kind of going through a lot uh i think it, the movie does kind of settle on something in terms of an answer uh but i th- i think there's just enough there for you to kind of also you know draw your own conclusions andrew scott is incredible in this movie he's going to make you cry just if you're going to watch this movie just be prepared you're going to cry because he's that he's that amazing and in the movie ends in a, in a in a way that i just did not i mean i should have expected but i didn't uh, and uh that's a whole other thing that i don't i don't i won't spoil but all of us strangers is, is an exceptional film and i i do hope people get to see it i don't know what their release plan is for this i don't know why they've screwed up the release so bad so these your last two movies could be on jeff and my's top 24 or top 2024 movies next year, <laughs> right possibly yeah they should be <laughs> I'm so I'm so jealous that you've gotten to, got to see this because I've been looking forward to this one for months. Um, I was just really hoping, that, you know, like get to see it, but who knows when it's coming out? No idea. I like I said, 
the, the, the release plan for some of these movies that are supposed to be Academy Award contenders, I, it truly makes no sense why they've decided to just put them out the way they have uh, and not release any, anything new over the holiday season. It's bizarre. Jeff, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is When Evil Lurks, which uh, I finally got. I, I've, I'm just, this holiday season has been super busy because I'm working retail right now and have not gotten to the theater. So it, I was I really wanted to see Poor Things and The Color Purple, and those may go on like my top 20, 24. I don't know. Um, but I watched this last night finally after having it in my queue for literally a month. Um, I, it was so such an original idea. It's two brothers and this is, it takes place in Argentina and evil is possessing people in their town. And they, they, it opens up where, you know, this guy is going to shoot this other guy. And the kid's like, no, don't, don't shoot him. Because if you shoot him, the evil gets out and then it'll, uh, possess other people. And you find out that there are rules for possess possession that, uh, you know, it can possess animals much easier. So don't stay away from animals. Uh, don't turn on electric lights because the shadows is where it lives. Uh, don't take any of its stuff of the person who's possessed and don't take any of their stuff because they're very jealous. Um, don't call it by its name, that kind of, it's such an interesting idea of like evil and how it gets around to different, you know, people and how it infects others. Um, there is one scene where one of the brothers ex wives who he's gone to take his, um, his children back one of his uh, children has severe autism and the other one is younger and doesn't seem to have any issues. Uh, and there's a scene where the ex-wife is possessed later in the movie. And this is kind of it, not really a spoiler because it, it's, it doesn't really affect anything, but there's this moment where she jumps off a balcony with the little baby in her arm or the little child in her arms. And you're just like, <gasps> I mean, it's that's like not how anything ends or whatever, but it's just that shocking uh, moment in a shocking kind of film that it's so original. Uh, the there's a moment right at the end of the movie where, where you're kind of realizing something that there's just a look that somebody gives one of the brothers that you're just like, Oh my God, Holy shit. Uh, it was just so well done. And, such a, a kind of a revelation and again, a year of great horror movies that, um, and it one that I, I want to sit and watch with an audience sometime. Cause it's just so shocking in points and original. Uh, I really want you guys to eventually check it out. It sounds like I figured, good. Yeah. I figured since Sean had all get to see, I might as well have. <laughs> is it a foreign film? It is. It's uh, in Spanish. I watched it with English well, subtitles. I have no problem. It's my, I when I watch movies, I have to usually find stuff with my wife, and she likes to have her phone out. And when you have your phone out, you're not reading very well, and then you get bored, and you make me turn yeah. it off, <laughs> or you walk out of the room. 
but I will have to find time alone then. <laughs> but that sounds really, really good. My number nine is Rebel Moon. Sorry, I didn't. Really? Uh, no, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I have May December. Uh, this is where I'm. I think this is probably way higher on your guys's list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have several movies. I, I think I agree. This is a great year for movies. There's just a lot that I have like at the same level. And this is one of them, largely due to the performances. Uh, but for some reason, it didn't. Like, there's four movies that really, or three movies that really pulled me out. That they're just like, this is awesome. And they're kind of lazy and predictable choices, too, on top of that. Uh, but this is very good. It's awesome. And I feel guilty for having it so low. Uh, but it's just, I think it's more due to the fact that. It was a great year for movies, and really, we're just kind of splitting hairs at this point. And I, I mean, I think Sean kind of said, you know, your top thirty, you were almost doing that, weren't you? You said you had all all your top ten were five star movies, and that's yeah, very that was, rare. Probably up to the fourteen. Obviously, the top fourteen were probably rated five stars on Letterboxd by me. So yeah, it's it's a great great year for movies. So I apologize for having it at number nine, but it is a great movie and. Where it landed. Uh, we'll get to it with you guys because you talk better about movies than I do. Number eight, Sean. Uh, number eight for me is another one you guys haven't seen yet. And I guess a lot of people haven't seen yet if you're outside of a major city. American Fiction, uh, directed by Cord Jefferson. His feature film debut is uh, perhaps the funniest movie of the year. This has got so many big laughs in it. And yet it's it's also a movie that is rather relatively grounded and uh, and and realistic. Uh, it's a movie about a guy named. Sorry, a movie about a guy named Monk, played by Jeffrey Wright, who is an author and college professor. He does not suffer fools gladly. Uh, and, uh, uh, he lets people know what he's thinking all the time. Uh, he's not always right, but he's not always wrong either. The movie is very plays very fair with that. Uh, he ends up getting very very frustrated by seeing. Uh, so-called black media, uh, media about you know, poverty, poverty porn, essentially you know, all this about, about everything's about gangsters and and so on. And he's so sick of seeing that that he finally just sits down one night and writes his own version of that, and it sells for nearly a million dollars. He's trying that he's struggling with the fact that he wrote this and people are are enjoying it, and it's so frustrating to him because he wrote it as a shit post entirely as a shit post. And he's just the rest of the movie is him dealing with that. But he also has a sister uh, uh, played by Tracy Ellis Ross, who has a story going on. And uh, his brother, Sterling K. Brown, has a story that is just very funny. It's just him coming out of the closet and really living for the first time in his 40s as a gay man and really having a good time. Uh, (laughs) This movie is tremendous. And like I said, it's got uh, maybe the three biggest laughs I've heard this year. The best Roe v. Wade joke I've ever heard in my life is in this movie. But. There's just a couple of really phenomenal scenes, one of which is just just him and another black author trying to explain to three white authors uh, why they think this book is terrible. And them going, well, we really need to listen to black voices, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's been a great year for comedies, too. I mean, No Hard mm-hmm. Feelings, Cocaine Bear, The Pope's Exorcist. It's <laughs> really been... 
uh, <laughs> cool to see that one made your list. It sounds awesome. I, it's, it's so good. I can't wait for people to see it. I don't know what that we can't see these right now. It's frustrating that the studios are fucking up these releases so badly. Yeah. We need to trick them into giving us uh, screeners, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I, I got one of my New Year's resolutions is to become a like a professional critic so that I can get screeners. <laughs> I think if we worked hard, I mean, I, I know there are certain screeners going to my old email, but not these. <laughs> so I know it's just a matter. I, we were getting a twenty four for a while. I'm sure I still am to an extent, but it's. Uh, I just don't want to dig through everything else in that email. Uh, but someday. Uh, what do you got for number eight, Jeff? Uh, my number eight is Barbie. Uh, I had a really good time, a really good experience seeing it. I, I, I mean, I, this, my whole list is like, could anything could move up at any time. I just had to get it ready for the show. So I put this at number eight. Uh, I seeing the reactions in the theater, I think elevated a little bit for me. Um, and Ryan Gosling, who I'm not a, I don't give a shit about Ryan Gosling. I don't care about him. I didn't care about La La Land. So, you know, I, I'm not on that the Ryan Gosling dick writing thing or anything. Um, he's fine, but he was so good in this movie that I was like, I, I want him to get a supporting actor nomination because, you know, like the whole patriarchy storyline was just, he was so good in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Margot Robbie is Barbie <laughs> to me some ways. So that was, you know, it wasn't as much of a revelation for me. Um, the Just the whole conception of what Barbie world is from Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. that, that really, it's just, a, you know, there's just a tinge of dark to it. And I think that's why I loved it so much because it's, it's exactly what you think a Barbie movie will be with just a tinge of bl- black humor to it. So an America Ferrara's speech is just everything. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, uh, it's an honorable mention on my list. And uh, I just had the wonderful experience over the, over the, over the new year's weekend of showing that film to my, to my best friend and watching her uh, reaction to it was really, is really emotional all over again. And then, then we followed that up by watching Saltburn, and <laughs> I got to watch her react to that. <laughs> it's a good weekend for me. Listen, any movie that makes Ben Shapiro freak out is going on my top ten. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had Barbie at number eight as well. Uh, I again, everything Jeff said. I, I Greta Gerwig is one of my favorite directors, and I mean, I don't really know what else I can add. I just, it's not. You can't just say this movie is a women empowerment movie and that's all it is you know it's so much more than just one thing everything is i don't know the whole thing is just so well done the reaction to it is great from both you know like what jeff just said the negative reaction is just as much fun as all the positive reaction to it uh it's fun but it's smart it's fair uh it's a damn good movie and uh part of me was like should i leave it off am i supposed to leave it off but i mean i really that was a fun weekend but i mean 
uh, see Oppenheimer came out that weekend too. Another great movie. I think it's on all of our lists. Uh, mm. But I just I love the movie, and I'm always trying to get people to see it that haven't seen it. Same. <laughs> number seven, Sean. My number seven is Priscilla, directed by Sofia Coppola, and uh, just a, an, an incredible performance by Kaylee Spaney, uh, giving life to the uh, life story of uh, Lisa Marie Presley, and uh, just just it's it's such an amazing film. Uh, it gets better for me the further I get away from it. As bad as you know, most biopics have been lately. This one takes a takes the life uh, of of Priscilla Presley and just and just puts it into such a, an amazing perspective through uh, using it to examine other issues, specifically the issues of emotional and financial abuse are are, just, are not front and center, but they're there and they're presented in a way that's very easy for people to understand. And considering that those two types of abuse are so are so misunderstood it makes this film incredibly valuable in that way but it's also just a great looking movie and an incredibly well acted movie with a very compelling story i was hoping to get to this movie this weekend however some friends saw it and they while they liked it they said it was boring so it was really hard to get my wife to be like yeah let's watch that one <laughs> so i haven't seen that one yet jeff what do you got for number seven uh, my number seven is Oppenheimer. Um, I so I realize that this is a lot of people's, you know, like top three movies uh, this year. I the reason I put it where it is is because of Robert Downey Jr. I think watching it again, he kind of stole the movie for me. Um, you know, he, he just, he, el- he like elevated a little bit what I thought was a little overlong. Um, I'm not a huge Killian Murphy fan. I think I said this when the movie came out, but I thought his performance was really good. Uh, it's at the time, I believe I said that it was, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, every director has their go-tos and Christopher Nolan, what, he, Killian Murphy is one of his go-tos. Um, you know, like Scorsese goes towards Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever. Um, so I thought that I would have kind of, I, I would have probably liked to have seen how Robert Downey Jr. had played the part after watching it again and watching his performance was so good that I just like, I wonder if he could have done this. Um, but the first time I watched it, I didn't love it. The second time I loved it, and I really got a chance to sit with the performances a little bit more. Um, I was able to break it up a little bit, too, which everybody knows by now that one of my issues is when a movie is three hours long, I kind of wish it was a series at that point. Um, and I, I would have loved to have seen more of this as a limited run series or something, but uh, being able to break it up really brought it to my top 10 because I was able to sit with the performances a little more and get to see, you know, Florence Pugh and Robert Downey Jr. And just watching everybody interact in the kind of gotcha moments and things like that really elevated it for me. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it later. (laughs) Uh, This one's embarrassing. My number seven is Blackberry. I'm a sucker for business movies. 
and it was either this or air and uh sean did a great job of pulling air apart even though i didn't totally agree but i just figured i'd go with blackberry instead uh but i i don't know i just found the whole movie fascinating at the idiot idiocracy in it how stupid they the decisions some of them made uh the the heightened reality uh it just slightly heightened enough to make it work for me i don't know it it was just the type of movie I like, and so it's mm-hmm. on my list. I'm sure as a businessman, it probably appealed to you as well because you you've got kind of a you've got to feel like a little bit insight in, into what these guys are doing here, and and the, especially into these personalities. Uh, but you're, you've got nothing to be embarrassed about. That's a great movie, and Glenn Howerton is, is fantastic in that movie. I mean, it's it's a it's not an easy character to play because you could go uh, very 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 big, and he went big, but he didn't go so big that right. I that he lost the plot i i really enjoyed the there's this whole hockey team subplot that is just it's just it's minor but i think it it shows that character in a completely different life uh from you know this guy who's going in and screaming at people all day to this guy who's really just like really excited about hockey <laughs> so I, I dug that aspect of it i i did like that movie a lot well i i think the i mean everybody knows it but the further and further you go up the ladder, the more and more you... It, it, there's a different way of realizing how big of idiots everybody really is. You know, it's easy <laughs> to sit on the sidelines and see, but the further and further you go, you, you just... The more and more human they become and the more... I don't know. It, it, it's just... It's fun to see that because you all... You know, you deal with... You know, I'm saying you know a lot. Uh, where you imposter syndrome or whatever, you don't feel like you belong there. But then all of a sudden, you kind of look around and you're like, "Oh my god, this guy's just as dumb as me." Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just like you know, everybody always tells you when you're a kid, someday you'll learn your what your parents are going through. And what I learned is my parents are morons. You know, they're just people. They're not. They're not smarter than me. <laughs> they're just. And I, 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 movies like this uh, do, do a really great job of capturing that. Because it's very true. I mean, Air does, too, on a different level. Uh, it just happened to work out, so it's a fun story, and Michael Jordan's involved. But if that falls flat on its face, it, it, it's, you know, it's Blackberry. <laughs> so <laughs> either way, it, it's I, I find it fascinating. And then, like you said, uh, Glenn, who plays Dennis on... It's always something in Philadelphia. He's so known by that role, and to truly not have you thinking about that show while you're watching this movie is a pretty impressive thing for him as well. So I, I love that movie, and it's on my top ten. Number six. Number six for me is uh, May December. Uh, going back to that one, um, Todd Haynes directing. I I just uh, I love those performances. Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, Charles Melton, just all fantastic. But Melton's a revelation. The way he plays that character, he, he brings such a subtlety to it. And then when he has to go big in his big scene, he does it so beautifully. It's so touching and so emotional, uh, the way he brought that character to life. And you know, taking a story that, that had been you know, mangled by our culture uh, and, and bringing it back to a human element is just so amazing what Todd Haynes has done with this movie. Jeff? My number six is Bo is Afraid. Um, I feel some of my 
some of the stuff that I picked, I think is more recency bias, but there are this one. I, it's an Ari Aster movie, so I automatically have to love it. Um, I think that's the rule of being on the show. I'm just kidding. Yes. Um, you almost got kicked off. It is a barrier. Know, right? When you said six, I'm like, what the fuck? No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, I, I have, I only have seen this once. So I, that is the reason that it's not probably a little higher because I wasn't able to pick out all the nuance and whatever I did. I remember the experience of seeing it that I loved a lot. Um, again, this, this, anything on my list can go up and down. Right. Um, and <clears throat> something I picked that's a little higher of that I know is recency bias. I know it's because I just can't, you know, uh, however, this is as my friend, Justin, who is a, uh, a Jewish guy in his thirties and forties has said it is a horror movie for Jewish guys in their thirties uh, and forties because of that whole Jewish guilt from the mother and Patty Lapone's performance. So I'm going to take his word for that. Uh, <laughs> but just how it slowly builds and, and everything, you know, are, is, is his anxiety? Is that, is it just, manifesting or is it just an illustration of his anxiety I, you know how to take it um just brilliantly done and i again it's ari aster you have to watch it you have to love it <laughs> because it's he he's such a good director and the the way he has directed uh joaquin phoenix in this i think is pretty relevant revelatory um i think this is probably his most personal movie yeah i was listening to a podcast this conan o'brien's podcast and jordan peele was on and they do this card game they didn't do it on the show but they talked about how they would create a movie by just dealing cards and then trying to take a plot this way and that way. And Jordan Peele said he did it with Ari Aster and it got so far off the rails. He couldn't bring it back <laughs> in. Uh, and he called him the, you know, kind of the heavyweight champion of horror right now. Uh, although I don't know that he called Bo was afraid of horror movie. Uh, but yeah, two, three hour movies in a row on your list. That's pretty, <laughs> you just said you hate three hour movies. <laughs> I don't, I, I, know, I, there are some movies that I'm a little like, all right, does not need to be three hours. This movie needed to be three hours. Oppenheimer right. needed to be six hours and could have been a limited series because there was so much information in it. Right. So, uh, I have salt burn at number six, uh, definitely recency bias, but it was very, very good. <laughs> Uh, and I think we should wait till it gets on someone else's list to really talk about it. So <laughs> fair enough, it won't be on mine. So you'll have I to know. rely on having uh, it on. He he gave me his list, so I know. <laughs> I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate that. No, it's awesome. I like it a lot, actually. <laughs> well, it's like the you know I've been apologizing for my list, and I think Jeff has to an extent too. We really don't need to. It's been a great year for movies and. Uh, <laughs> It's good that we have different movies on our list. Uh, Sean, what do you have for number five? My number five is Monica, directed by Andrea Pilaro and uh, starring Trace Lissette 
and uh, Patricia Clarkson uh, in a story of a uh, tr- of a trans woman who is returning home to uh, see her mother who is dying. Uh, they haven't seen each other in 20 years. Uh, when when she left Monica, she she left for good, and uh, at the time she was only beginning her transition, and now she's fully transitioned into being a woman. And uh, her mother, who is going through brain cancer, may not know who she is or be able to understand who she is anymore. And the emotions of that are played so beautifully and so quietly in this film that it it just it's it's hauntingly beautiful how they carry out this story and they uh, create this bond between uh, Trace Lissette and Patricia Clarkson uh, that is so fraught with so many layers of different emotions. Uh, it, got, it has one of the best scenes in any movie all year. Uh, there's just this quiet exchange between, between the two of them that is just, it's open to interpretation what it exactly is being said, but truly it's just, it's remarkable to watch. And Patricia Clarkson in this movie is so amazing. Uh, she's just, she's bitter and hard and angry, but also desperately frail and sad and, and kind of sympathetic. A lot of, a lot sympathetic, but at the same time, she's treated her daughter horribly. Uh, so you've got all these, just this wild mixture of emotions and all of it happening very quietly. Cause Andrea Pilaro establishes this very realistic tone that all of the motion is basically is in you. You're generating the emotion while you're watching it and you're interpreting the emotions of the characters. It's just, it's an incredible film. I wish more people had a chance to see it. And I think if they had Patricia Clarkson and Trace Lissette would be more talked about in the Academy Award, uh, the Academy Award conversations. Jeff, number five. (laughs) My number five, uh, this is recency bias. And I know it's just because I, like horror movies more than most people. Uh, mine is Thanksgiving. Uh, it such a fun throwback. Uh, this the same day I saw, uh, the hunger games, ballad of songbirds and snakes. And I hated that movie. Um, and I went into this in a, kind of a bad mood and I left. I have I, this and the marbles are the two movies that I had the most fun at like watching and enjoying all year um just purely just having fun uh the ridiculousness of this is i mean you've got first of all you find out that gina gershon is pregnant and what is she 60 <laughs> Spoiler alert. uh it's just stuff like yeah well sean's gonna be upset when he watches it now oh man <laughs> yeah never gonna watch this movie <laughs> I know. although i think he should um i have it just was so much fun and there was just so much so much of a throwback to 80 slash that it's it has stayed with me it is one that i watched two more times i went to see it in the theater and watched it at home and recommended it to everybody who is a horror fan uh, plus my friend lynn griffin is in it if only for just one scene She's actually in two movies of my top 10. So not because of it's her, but uh, it's just, it's fun. Goats. If, if you haven't watched it yet, watch it. Uh, I think it's streaming now. Um, just, it was fun. It was such a fun movie. Oh yeah. Eli yes. Roth has redeemed himself. 
in my eyes. Even though he filmed it in Toronto, I'm going to Plymouth this summer just because of this movie. <laughs> now my wife's from Plymouth. But I I love Thanksgiving, too. I For some reason, I always feel bad about putting fun movies on my list. But this was definitely one of this and uh, some of the comedies we talked about were like sitting there in that honorable mention, maybe 10. Uh, but Thanksgiving is so good. People need to see it. Uh, my number five is not as fun. Uh, Infinity Pool. Uh, I, uh. I'm sure we're going to talk about that again later as well. Uh, <laughs> but I, it, what I like most about <clears throat> since doing the podcast is just, you know, we have the conversations that are even they even make the movie better. May and December, we had that conversation a few weeks back. But when we did Infinity Pool, that show, that was so much fun, the conversation we had where we're doing it. And that's stuck with me since then. And so not only do I have the movie, but I have you know that, that particular episode that really helped elevate uh, th- that type of movie up the list. It, it, it's just such a unique idea. It's so well done, so crazy. Everything about it just... I never forgot about it the whole year, and I saw it a while ago. So, and I've only seen it that one time, and so that I just it stuck with me to the point where it needed to be, you know, that high up on my list. Mm-hmm. It's not on my list, but it is. It would be another honorable mention. It's a. I think the biggest issue for me is that it happened so long ago that it's. I, I still remember it, and I still love it, but it. It does. I don't remember it and love it as much as I love these other films. Well, yeah, you're getting. You also have a, a lot more to choose from than we do. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely on my uh, uh, honorable mentions. Um, again, Mia Goth. Yes. I will literally watch anything she's in after seeing X and Pearl. Um, I sh- her performance in this movie is just. It just every scene it gets ratcheted up and ratcheted up and ratcheted up. And, you know, that, that scene where everybody's going home, it's you're just like, oh, my God, is anybody going to say anything? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Skarsgård is, too, is such a perfect guy to, yep. to deconstruct in that role. He's, the, you know, he's, he's just the perfect guy to have, have his masculinity just sort of torn down in front of him. And <laughs> it's, really, it's really fun to watch. He's, a, he's always in on the uh, on the joke about his masculinity too. Mm-hmm. He's confident enough that he you know he can go Definitely. to an award show in his underwear. Um, you know that's the kind of guy he is, and that really comes through in this performance. Right. but he's also not like like Ryan Reynolds would be too obvious and too popular for this role. So he's oh, the per- yeah. he's the perfect no level of famous too with that. Uh, Sean number four. My number four is Oppenheimer. Uh, this is uh, based off of my just my. I watched it again recently, and it's just so incredible the, the whole scope and breadth of it. It really is a modern epic, and the way that he encompasses essentially, you know, the last sixty, seventy years of of American history in this one story is just because everything stems from this when you really break it down, and he doesn't doesn't put that on screen but it's all there nevertheless uh it's really it's really remarkable but then you know killian murphy for me just grounds this movie in a place that is very human and that's that human element uh just 
when you're t- we were talking about this before with uh, with BlackBerry, like the idea that these people are making these gigantic decisions that are going to kill millions of people, and they're not really sure about it. <laughs> there really is no way for them to be sure about it, and it's kind of bizarre that anyone has that kind of power. And that's this movie deconstructs that perhaps better than uh, any movie that's ever approached that idea. Uh, there's a scene in this movie that's just so incredibly powerful to me, where this just this arrogant asshat just goes, "Well, well, don't uh, don't bomb Kyoto. I, I, my family went there for Christmas the other year. It was beautiful. We don't want to bomb that. Find something else to bomb." I mean, that's that that reminds me of of Zone of Interest. Like that's the same idea as Zone of Interest. Like that is just as bad as Nazis living next door to Auschwitz, uh, just like being going through there every day. That's exactly the same thing to me. Uh, that level of just brutal evil. And that movie brings it home in one fucking scene with one fucking character brilliantly. But it's just the whole scope of it. I mean, there's been this whole debate about sex in the movies or nudity in the movies. So where you know, the, the, the modern generation is, is becoming very timid about the idea of sex in movies. And I think the sex in Oppenheimer, I wrote an entire article just about the nudity in the movie because it is story-driven. It is essential to the dynamic of Oppenheimer, of Killian Murphy, and Florence Pugh, their characters. That, that dynamic is essential. It's, a, it's an essential sexual connection that they have that has to be there. Uh, that's brilliant that, they, that he was able to make. Not, it's not gratuitous. It's necessary. And I really appreciated that. I really appreciate everything about this, though, including Robert Downey Jr., who does deserve to win uh, Best Supporting Actor uh, for that role because he's incredible. Alden Aaronite should be right there with him. Mm-hmm. Agreed. What is your number four, Jeff? My number four is Bottoms. I <laughs> <laughs> I just thinking about this movie. I just this is just so it was so great. Uh because it's so like it's such an unconventional comedy where, you know, like the leads being is it just doesn't it it's just something that th- that's there. And since I saw it with a conservative Midwesterns, it was funny. That was all, you know. Um I mean Rachel Sennett not only wrote and acted in it that you know, just so perfectly that I just, I didn't really know who she was. At um, Iowa Ibra, I've seen her on the Bear, and she was just such a different character in this movie that her. I just realized what what a range she actually has. Um, her kind of like gay geek thing going on was one of my favorite performances of the year. Um, I'd love to see her get nominated for something, but who knows? Um, Kaya Gerber, who played Brittany, who uh, is Cindy Crawford's daughter, who looks exactly like Cindy Crawford. Uh, the way that she's just so casual about, you know, being as gorgeous as she is and wants everybody to know, I have a brain too. Um, I, I just, everybody in this cast was funny and you really felt for the two leads and one of them to get what they wanted, even though it was a little like predatory, (laughs) but it was predatory in the way that, you know, an American pie movie is where the guys are the kind of predatory ones and it's fine. 
And they just played it like an American Pie movie. And I think that's what I love the most about it. Mm-hmm. Was just the it was just a matter of fact. Let's fuck these girls kind of movie, but it just so happened to be two girls who wanted to fuck these two girls. So, yeah, that that matter of factness is 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 such a such an essential part of the comedy. There, that's the last movie I left off of my top ten was Bottoms. It was right there until I saw Zone of Interest, and then I had I had to put Zone of Interest on. And uh, it's such a it's such a wonderful film, and Emma Seligman is such a a great director uh her you know her previous film with rachel senate is amazing like she put an actual like anxiety attack on on screen in that movie it's so amazing but uh you know bottoms is just yeah it's just so funny it's relentlessly funny it is funny beginning to end she takes a character played by a football player marshawn lynch and she just does an amazing job of capturing uh what makes him so funny (laughs) so It's such a funny, funny performance, and you just don't expect it from from that guy uh, in this movie. It's so amazing. I I, re- I really loved it. I haven't got a chance to see it yet, but I need to, so I will circle that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number four we've talked about already is "Talk to Me." Uh, just kind of a straight ahead horror movie done in a very creative way uh all i can really say about it It, it's i love horror movies but i hate uh, ips being reused and that's Mm -hmm. unfortunately what a lot of horror fans have to deal with nowadays Uh, although this has been a great year to not have to do that uh and talk to me just was like the perfect middle of the road horror movie that did everything right and unique and original and it just stuck out with me and i to me i I, other than the fact that everything's so disposable now i I think the whole idea behind it is something that should stick with the kids that watch it today for the rest of their lives and whether it does or not who knows but i think it's good enough that it could and i don't know i just love that movie sean number three Break my heart. My number three is Bo is Afraid, directed by Ari Aster. And it's hard to believe I found two movies that are better than an Ari Aster movie, but I did. <laughs> um, I I adore Bo is Afraid. I, I was blown away by it when we all saw it. And uh, I was blown away by it again just recently when I was I was kind of thinking about writing an article. There's this whole, again, this whole thing about sex going on and sex in movies and people being made uncomfortable about sex in movies. And I wanted to write about that that Mariah Carey scene because that scene just blows my mind that that has ever ended up in a movie. I mean, it's just it's so amazing when that song starts to play at that point in the movie. It's already been just wildly surreal. Uh, And now we've arrived at a point where this guy of all people is actually going to apparently have sex. And they're going to put on Mariah Carey, always be my baby. <laughs> and it's just, what is this doing here? What is going on? And the way the scene ends is so shocking and horrifying. I just, it's amazing. It, it is a miracle that anything Ari Aster does gets to be in a movie. Uh, and, and that it gets to be in a movie that is so mind-blowing in how it it how he just he puts it all together and makes it all work uh i don't love this as much as i love midsummer but it's right there with hereditary and i can mix them up as a threesome very easily but 
truly, th- this is an in- another incredible movie by, by, by Ari Aster, and I just can't say enough good things. Yeah. And, you know, shout out, you talk, sorry, Bob, but you talk about that scene where they're going to have sex, and <laughs> shout out to Parker Posey. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, bravery. she's such a good actor anyway, but she doesn't get enough credit because she puts in these bizarre performances. You know, I'm thinking of Jen in Scream 3 or, you know, Mary in Party Girl. She's just so good in this movie that that, you know, she's worth she's worth seeing the movie for just in general. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Bob. Oh, no, Go ahead. I'll talk about it later. Uh, what's your number three, Jeff? My number three is Priscilla. Uh, I know that when we talked about this before, I talked about how it came across as a, you know, a kind of a plain biopic but then i read the book uh priscilla presley's elvis and me and watched it again and i was just like okay all those scenes of her just kind of sitting there where i was in the theater kind of like all right yeah we get it she's bored having read the book helped that a lot and then seeing it again it really just kind of brought everything home for me um she's you know sophia coppola shows yet again why she was the one to tackle something like this that's a more complex than just a um not necessarily a an abusive relationship although the you know it does come across as abusive to a lot and how uh, you know abuse takes many forms um she's she treated it with just the right level of is it or isn't it I guess. All right. My number three has been on everybody else's list uh, is Oppenheimer. I, 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 this has been a great year for epic movies too. You know, it's like we got the Godfather and vertigo and all these movies coming out in the same year. It's kind of like the, in terms of the epics and everything is, there's really nothing more to say about Oppenheimer, at least with my level of intelligence but uh again the weekend it came out made it more fun the fact that it's uh just so well done the performances are as good as any other movie if not better uh everything behind it i mean the fact that you know how it all plays out but when they're testing the atom bomb you're on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen and you know Mm -hmm. but they you know, I don't like to give Nolan credit because I do think he's made some, some <laughs> a lot of shit. Uh, but in this one, and the reason it's actually so low is just because I can't put him ahead of another guy. We'll get to later. Uh, <laughs> but I, I absolutely love this movie. And then, again, the experience of... I actually went with my 11-year-old who was invested in talking the whole time and understanding what was going on. And just all the subtleties in it along with the epic stuff just the way it's put together is so perfect and it's it's awesome number two sean my number two is past lives directed by celine song uh this is a story about uh a woman whose uh you know childhood friend you know love connection uh comes back into her life years later after she's been married for a while and uh they get together they're reminiscing and 
it's all it's just about the, the this connection that they had that they still kind of have and the various different reasons why it never worked out for them uh and and exploring kind of what might have been while also appreciating what you already have there's this amazing scene just the first scene in the film where we're we're sitting across the bar from these three people we can't hear what they're talking about but there are three people who are watching them and having a conversation about them and trying to figure out what their dynamic is who's the husband who's the wife who's the other guy uh and and that sets up the story so beautifully of what we're going to find out that in the rest of the story. It's so ingenious and so well plotted, but also just such smart acting throughout. Just I mean, every performance is so necessary and so essential and so brilliantly uh, part of it. It's just so great. I can't. Greta Lee, uh, Tio Lu, Yu, and John Magaro, uh, just a phenomenal threesome. They're the only three actors really in the movie. And. They just do this amazing job of communicating so much life and so much history. And it's so romantic and so beautiful and kind of heartbreaking. And I, I get choked up thinking about it. That's how good it is. Jeff? I didn't get to see it. Uh, my number two is May, December. Um, I watched it again after we talked about it. And it just... <laughs> I can't get it out of my head, and it mostly is stuff like, uh, you know, the performances really, Charles Melton especially, um, you know, his scene in the bedroom after uh, he's with Natalie Portman is is one of my, I think, my favorite scenes all year long, and the fact that <laughs> the fact that this is on Netflix and not in a theater really pisses me off. Yeah. Because I feel like not everybody's gonna rush to see it now, um, and I want I wanted it to you know I wanted to get the the recognition. I know that you know it had its theatrical run for like a couple performances, so that in a couple cities, so that it could be eligible for Oscars. And I really wanted to be um, nominated for a lot because I just think everybody in it is doing their absolute best work. Um, yeah, I. I we we just recently talked about it, so I don't feel like I have to go into great detail. But um, well, you have a good point there, though. I I think it I think it's higher on my list if it's in the theater and I see it with an audience. Honestly, I, yeah, I because I, I'm so so much of my list is based on the experience around the movie, not so much the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while we had a great conversation on the podcast, I think I even said it when we talked about it. Uh, I wish I would have saw it in the theater with an audience because I think it would have hit me even better than it did. All right. Oh, I guess it's on me, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're uh, waiting. I was like, all right, Sean, number one. But I haven't done number two yet. <laughs> uh, this is not on either of your lists, but I believe you both have it as an honorable mention. Uh, I have Killers of the Flower Moon. I love this movie. Uh, in you know my top three are three-hour epics. Uh, but I... I don't know. I put this up there with everything Scorsese has ever done. I think it's that good. And I just, I enjoyed being in the theater the entire time, despite how long it was. Uh, I have every intention to see it again. It, it, I, I think we're, it's kind of a throwback to, like I was saying, you know, the, the 60s and 70s and all the great epic movies they had back then that we don't get as much anymore. But, 
and I think they don't play as well today as they did then. But I just I, everything about this movie is so well done. The fact that you're you have these A-list stars and Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, and they're playing second fiddle to uh, you know I can't think of the actress's name, Lily Gladstone. Yeah, but she is the center of this movie. She carries this movie all by herself, and it's so selfless by everybody else in the movie to uh, you know to be to do their job really so it's really not selfless they're doing their job uh but it, it, it's just it's so cool to follow the way the movie plays out and even though you're following his character she's the whole the glue holding it together and also the whole the plot moving forward with around her i just i I just really, really love this movie, and it's my number two. It's an honorable mention for me. I, I, I love it also. Again, I've seen so many <laughs> movies. I had a lot of, I had a lot of choices. I had a lot of movies enter late that uh, that had to reshape my entire list. But it is a, a it's a five star on on Letterbox for me, and because uh, it is such an incredible movie, and you know, DiCaprio is incredibly underrated as far as i'm concerned in this film because he he is just do, he is doing such a generous job of elevating and being kind of the pivot point for the other performances for for de niro and for lily gladstone uh they the way that they have to the way that they're playing him and he's and he's you know elevating them with his work is uh i think an underrated talent that he doesn't get enough uh, credit for i think he did the same thing in wolf of, wolf of wall street which is not a movie i like but right. he, he elevated everyone around him uh with his performance and made them all better and i think that's what he's doing here is he's playing his part to the best of his ability but he's also giving them like i said a pivot point for what for the bigger more important points that are being made yeah and you know i want to make the joke i I have to put Scorsese ahead of Scorsese ahead of Nolan every time, but I really do like it better than Oppenheimer. Even though they're my two and three, I like them. I love them both, but it. I just. I don't know. And I, I just think there's something with he's always, him and Tarantino are two guys I'm always drawn to, and Fincher too. Even though Fincher's movie didn't make my list, uh, I I probably tend to overvalue their movies every year, but I still. I just. This one stands out, especially recently. There hasn't been anything this great from him in a while, and I hold it up with everything he's ever done. Ooh, absolutely. Uh, number one. My number one, I debated actually not even putting this on my list because uh, at the time I watched it, I was going through something like super emotional, like a, a very serious, uh, depressive episode, and I really thought that this nothing could bring me out of that and and i knew i had this kind of obligation to get through a couple of movies and so i went with this one a movie called perfect days by by vim benders and even through this fog that i was in of just this intense sadness this movie reached to me and it and it pulled me up it made me it made me feel when i at a moment when i couldn't think of feeling joy it made me feel joy and uh the, it's it's a really unusual story. Vim Vendors was invited to Japan by a friend to, uh, to come look at these public restrooms that they built. They had they hired artists to come up with concepts for public restrooms. Then they built ten of them, and they invited Vim Vendors there on the thought that maybe he'd see these and be inspired to make a short film about them that could promote them to people. And instead, he went and viewed these public toilets and 
he was inspired to write an entire film about a guy whose job it is to maintain these and the pride that he takes in his work and you know the 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 joy he gets out of his very small very rudimentary routine of cleaning these uh artistic public restrooms and you know taking a moment to sit in the park and and watch the way the light comes through the trees and take pictures of that and uh listening to classic rock or listening to just classic music in general like these just these the needle drops in this movie are incredible uh throughout and you just don't expect that and at a certain point this woman uh deliver sings house of the rising sun in in japanese and it's one of the most beautiful things i think i've ever heard in my life uh it's not something i ever would have expected to hear in my life and it was just so beautiful uh the the, the use of music the the use of these incredible public restrooms which they are artistic marvels what they've come up with uh technologically and just visually they're spectacular and I love the idea that this this guy just takes pride in you know kind of being a part of that, even if his job is to just clean toilets. Uh, it's it's a beautiful film. It's just and it, it just touched me so so deeply that I had to I had to put it number one. Jeff, I want to see that. Um, I hate to do this, but I had to because I just kept going back and forth on what my what my favorite movie of the year was. Uh, I have a tie. Uh, my tie is Saltburn and Godzilla minus one. Um, <clears throat> ordinarily, I'm not a Godzilla fan. I went to see it for the show because that's what we do. And I'd heard good things about it. And I was just completely struck with how well they got the human story right. Because every Godzilla movie that comes out, especially the American ones, say, we're going to get the story, the human story right because it's, it's always just, you know, smashing Tokyo or wherever. But this time we're going to do the human story right. They said that with the two that, you know, came out within the last 15 years. And no, you didn't. You didn't. I don't care about Brian Cranston's family. Um, but this was just, everything was so, it was beautifully shot. It was suspenseful. Um, the performances of it, of ever, you know, that everybody gave again, that's kind of my thing this year is looking at the performances and how it elevates things. Um, Godzilla looked amazing. Uh, the, the destruction was, I, I saw this three times in the theater Ooh, Wow! <laughs> because I just, I, you know, I'm like, I don't, I want to make sure that I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke up my own ass, I guess about it. But I just, I just, I loved it so much that it made me start to go back and watch other uh, Godzilla movies from, you know, the fifties and sixties and et cetera. Um, and then it was tied. And I don't know if this is, if it's recency bias, if it's just the zeitgeist talking, but Saltburn, um, the more I think about it, the more I can get out of my head. Um, the performances again, Rosamund Pike is just, I hated her and it was her character in Gone Girl. Just hated her. I just thought, oh my God, what a see you next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> she was so funny in this movie mm -hmm. and so like, uh, 
did you see the movie where she was a uh, pharmaceutical or no the uh, nursing home executive um our job or our oh god what is it she had the like super blunt haircut she was so good and it was last year uh, um no- i didn't see that one it was a netflix movie and it was good. so good she was so good in it and so evil that i was like oh she just like she likes playing these evil characters well here in saltburn she's just this dumb socialite who doesn't think about anything except herself even to the point where when people in her family start dying spoiler alert um she's still you know how does this affect me what am i what am i going to say to people that kind of thing um barry keegan i we've talked about this before he is ugly hot (laughs) and but but he's but the hotness comes from the magnetism that he he just exudes uh you know in every movie that i've seen him in even in the eternals he's the one that kind of leaps off the screen Mm -hmm. and the stuff that he does in this movie and the performance that he gives while he's doing these things like fucking a mound of dirt um (laughs) i just he's he's i want i i literally want to go back and see anything he's ever done um and strictly because of this movie and special shout out to carrie mulligan one of the funniest parts of this movie like the darkest of comedies one of the funniest parts about it was her and her performance and you kept wanting her to come back and then just and this is not really a spoiler because it's just tossed off but oh she died didn't you know you know like her character just (laughs) dies in the middle of it and it's off screen it's just oh you know um um, you know, I'm having ice cream for dessert. Oh, did you know she died? That kind of like just mundane thing. And it just, this movie, every time I think about it, I want to watch it again <laughs> to the point where I was running errands and I was looking at my list again just to make sure. And I was like, I want to go home and skip the show tonight just to watch this movie again. <laughs> so that is, that's probably my number one, number one. Um, mm. But it's just god it's so good and so fucked up and i just yeah please everybody watch it uh emerald and- Vanilla, i just i just watched it again just this past weekend and uh, uh she's such a great director she's so great at killing carrie mulligan uh, <laughs> 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 do it every time um <laughs> but i'm uh, glad we didn't get another two and a half minute sequence <laughs> of her being choked to death because i couldn't yeah, take that but, again uh Barry Keegan is just, the, he's the most unpredictable actor. He has so much unpredictable energy. He's one of these rare actors where you don't know what he's going to do next. Uh, he's, he's had that in every performance. I would, if you've not seen uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, wow. I mean, you want to see Barry Keegan. Oh, boy. Uh, and The Green Knight, his, his brief appearance in The Green Knight is incredible. Incredible. Yep. Uh, he's just everything, every time he nails it every fucking time. And here he is in this lead role. And I mean, just amazing to watch him just emerge into this, into this character, this performance to that ending, which is just perfect. It's a perfect ending. After we, after we talked about this, Sean, you and I, um, I went back and watched the green Knight and concentrated on him again. And I was just like, Oh God, so good. <laughs> and uh godzilla i did see godzilla i did love godzilla minus one as well 
Uh, and again, it does come back to that human element of it that that really does uh, make it so memorable. Make it so so you know that that guy. The main character is a guy who was supposed to fly his plane into a into a into a U.S. ship in in World War II. He was supposed to be a kamikaze pilot, and he refused. And that will kind of carry forward. That carries forward throughout the rest of the movie in his in his story. The shame and the the pain that he feels of not being able to do what so many other you know heroic Japanese zero fighters did, uh, and that. The way that colors the rest of his performance is so beautiful, and it's so uh, just so perfectly underlines the story that they're also telling with Godzilla rising up and and destroying the co- the country and giving him another opportunity, perhaps, to be a hero. Awesome! I haven't seen Godzilla yet, uh, and now the anticlimactic ending. <laughs> uh, <laughs> everyone's bows afraid. Uh, Again, back to the the just the experience watching it. Uh, all three of us were there, along with Josh and his son, and then hanging out afterwards for however long it was—half an hour, forty-five minutes, twenty minutes. I don't know. It was—I don't, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff I'm lacking or been missing, and uh, we got to have that with Bo's Afraid, and then to do the show on top of that. Uh, then you throw in the fact that Ari Aster is just one of the best directors working I, I think on a technical level he has a handle of a movie more than better than any other director does. it doesn't make it the best but he just has full control over everything uh, no matter how complicated it is and he goes out there to make it as messed up and confusing as he can but he never loses control of that and, uh, it seems like every other good director has that movie where they lose control and he hasn't yet and I, I just think that's impressive. He reminds me of, I think I've compared him to like a prog rock band before. You just never, really never know where the music's going to go, whether it's King Crimson or even someone like Tool. Uh, I just, it doesn't necessarily make it the best, but I do think on a technical level, he is the best. And I don't know, it, it for you know putting all that together, it's just the one that stands out. And I haven't gone back and watched it again. Uh, I want to. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and then you just got the bias of the fact that it's him, and he's one of my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the first two were so perfect, and I, I, I do think this was perfect. But and I think it's my third favorite of the three. Uh, but yeah, I was afraid. <laughs> It's so great. <laughs> it's such a great movie. I, I love Bo is Afraid so much. And I love I love your comparison there to, to a prog rock band. Like it's just because watching Bo is Afraid is like being like being in a big jam concert where the, the music is going in very in one direction and then it rises to a different place and then it goes back to a place more familiar and then rises up again and comes back around as if the music itself is telling a story. Right. Uh, it's just uh but that it's is never, what, but it's never it's distracting, you know. It, no, it flows perfectly, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's. I don't know. Twenty twenty three as a whole has been a good year, and I mean, you have at least what five that I haven't seen, mm-hmm. six, uh, seven. Jesus, you only have Oppenheimer, <laughs> but I was afraid in Priscilla, or I haven't seen Priscilla. Made December, uh, yeah. So I have a lot of work to do yet. Uh, yeah, but I mean that's the 
it's always fun capturing the moments that where it's not just an episode where we're going through the motions and it's one where there's a lot of passion and fun talking about it behind you know we had it with may december but was afraid had it with several movies uh the albert brooks was fun oh yeah Uh, and you know hopefully 2024 it was more of that I just want to throw a couple of shout outs. Uh, Moon Garden is a movie that nobody watched that I did that I loved. Uh, Ennis Men is one of the, or Ennis Main is one of the best horror movies of the last year. Most people didn't see that. Uh, Fallen Leaves, uh, Aki Karazmaki, a brilliant, brilliant director and a d- d- terrific, terrific story. The Color Purple is phenomenal. People need to see The Color Purple. I'm glad it's doing so well at the box office because it deserves it. I had, I had a very low expectation going in and I found myself really, really blown away by the uh, life and energy of the color purple uh, asteroid city. I think a lot of people missed out on that one from Wes Anderson. It's still around. I think it's still getting some, some consideration, but I, uh, I'm not seeing as much of it lately on that one, but I highly recommend it. Anatomy of a fall. Uh, Sandra Hillary is going to get a best actress nomination. It's just going to happen. And uh, people need to seek out anatomy of a fall. I believe we have it in town now in fact so if you want to if you're interested um and a thousand one uh an amazing amazing lead performance that movement came back all came out all the way back in january and uh you know it just gets kind of lost in the shuffle unfortunately ab rockwell a tremendous director and a tiana taylor delivering in just an academy award level performance yeah i just saw that about a month ago uh that was probably my number 11 if i'm being honest uh, it's very, very good, very well acted, and just takes a twist at the end, and you probably should have seen it come, but you don't, and yeah. so good. Uh, any other honorable mentions you want to throw out there, Jeff? I've got uh, several, actually. I just want to, I'll just go through them really quick. Um, you talk about Killers of Flower Moon, uh, No Hard Feelings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Yes. Love that movie. Uh, Megan, I, that's, that's one of those ones I can throw on in the background if I'm working on a piece or whatever, just not have to pay too much attention to it. But when she gets to the dance sequence, I just am riveted. Do you think if that comes out in December, it's on your list? Megan. If Megan came out? Yeah. I mean, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I think it would. It's definitely an honorable mention. There's so many good movies this year, right? Especially horror movies, and you know me and horror. Um, my number ten was "It Lives Inside." Until I thought about "Talk to Me Again." Um, "It Lives Inside" was so. It's just a, such a good, tight story, and uses um, you know like teaches you from a, uh, a story from a different culture that a lot of people wouldn't even know or think about until they saw that movie that got a wide release. Um, you know, it's another good one that came out this year that not enough people saw because it had absolutely no push whatsoever. Um, you know, like we talked about on the show, nobody, they didn't advertise it until the week it came out. And even then it was already like playing and, disappearing from theaters before they started a media push it should have come out in october um because it was a halloween movie um infinity pool like i said was on my honorable mentions uh cocaine bear yes another movie that 
<laughs> I it almost made my top ten. It really did. But I was like, what do I push out of it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, well, I could get rid of Thanksgiving, but I had so much fun watching Thanksgiving. Um, you know, it was just it was just such a fun, stupid movie. And it, uh, yeah, uh, um, Indiana Jones. I liked the Indiana Jones movie this time. Thought it was good. I don't think it was great. I liked Phoebe Waller Bridge in it, especially. I think she, she, I'll, she's one of those ones that I will watch anything she does. Uh, Blue Beetle, I thought was actually a really good superhero movie. You know, it's just a wholesome and fun, and I like that a lot. And then uh, one that we talked about that I kind of. It was so early in the year, I kind of forgot about it. And then Bob mentioned earlier was the Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the devil. I, but, and I don't, that's why I don't love, uh, you know, like exorcism stories and things like that. But this was just, he was so good in it, Russell Crowe. He, it's just like, oh my God, he just, <laughs> I want to see more, I want to see more movies with this guy as this character. Um, so yeah, those are my honorable mentions. I did Sean write a worst of list because I just couldn't not. But do you have honorable mentions, Bob? Uh, just a few that haven't been mentioned yet. Uh, I thought Knock at the Cabin was pretty decent early on this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally Killer was a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, uh, I mentioned Air earlier. I liked it a lot. Uh, I can't remember if I liked Sisu or not. I remember seeing it, uh, but I. Maybe it should be an hour mention then. But anyway, I remember parts of it. I think it was fun. It was a little gory. Uh, but anyway, those are the only ones that you guys haven't mentioned. Uh, what What is your least favorite of the year, Jeff? Oh, God, the least favorite. Um, I'm looking at my list that I wrote down, and I'm probably going to say uh, Exorcist Believer or Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> Those are the two that I thought of. Um, I just, Winnie the Pooh was just almost unwatchable. I get the way they did it because it's in public domain and they were like, let's do this. This would be funny. It wasn't funny. It wasn't even scary or gory enough. Um, it was just dumb. Uh, Exorcist Believer wasted Ellen Burstyn, which is hard to do. I mean, she's, she was better. She's better in law and order organized crime. <laughs> And in this piece of shit movie that David Gordon Green should just be in prison for. Um, <laughs> the Flash uh, had yeah. some good parts, but I the CGI, it was so bad. Um, Ezra Miller is just, you know, knowing that he gets away or they get away with whatever that other people don't. Um, just put a really bad taste in my mouth. And then who the fuck cares about the DC expanded universe anymore? No kidding. Like Aquaman was terrible. I tried to watch that. I, I'm still, I've got three quarters of the way through it and I've turned it off every time. Uh, but I think part of that is the fact that, you know, Oh, we're just going to do another big reboot. So um, I was disappointed in Marlowe. Uh, first of all, because <laughs> the character is supposed to be in his thirties and Liam Neeson is 60. Um, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. I just it was one of those ones I tried to watch three times and fell asleep. 
Uh, I was also very disappointed in the Boogeyman because it's such a good story. Liam Neeson's 71. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, well, yeah. That makes it even worse. Elevates it to like my... I was going to yeah, say, was I threatening to kick his ass when he's in his 50s? He might actually be able to beat me. But nope, he was in his 60s. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just... Yeah, the fact that the Boogeyman was such a good story and the trailer looked so promising and then it was just boring and not scary. Yeah. So, it was a great year for horror movies, don't get me wrong, but it was also some big disappointments. Yeah, the only one I absolutely hated was Leave the World Behind. I was really disappointed mm. with the one you and I went to, Jeff, on Cedar Rapids. Oh, the Outwaters. Yeah, that one, I was really hoping for an Ari Aster level crazy, and instead I just felt like the guy who didn't have control of his movie made the movie, and there's neat things in it, but at the end of the day, it was pretty easy to pick apart. Yeah, I saw two of my least favorite movies, one with you and one with Sean. <laughs> we should do this more often. <laughs> yeah, Skin of a Ring. That was, yeah. I, I tried Ugh. to watch it after Josh said he loved it, and uh, I didn't get very far, only because, again, <laughs> when I watch movies at home, I have to satisfy other people in the room. And, mm-hmm. and instantly, I was like, yeah, I'm not watching this. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> Um, I've got a far wider list of bad movies because I have to sit through so much. But uh, the the worst movie of the year is a movie no one but me saw. Basically, it's called Back on the Strip uh, with Wesley Snipes. Uh, it's it's an absolutely brutal, almost impossible movie to sit through. It's just terrible. Uh, I hate it a lot, and I think it may be the same director as the as House Party the reboot, which was also one of the worst movies of the year. So <laughs> please stop hiring that man. Please stop hiring. His name is Calmatic, I believe. And yeah, just don't hire him for anything. Uh, maybe I do. Uh, Diane Keaton always ends up on the worst list every year. It's like, it's just a, it's a rite of passage that uh, Diane Keaton will release a terrible film and I'll put it on my worst of list. So yeah, <laughs> that one is right there. I, I also hated Fr- five nights at Freddy's more than most people did. I really hated quiz lady because it, Waste two of our best actresses in a really terrible comedy. Uh, Mafia Mama was just unbearable. Uh, Expendables 4. Uh, Judd Hirsch started an iPhone commercial that they turned into a movie called (laughs) I Mordecai, which is just really, oh my God. And uh, You People, Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill. Uh, Yeah, I had that on my list too. What a piece of shit that was. I forgot about that. I had that and Five Nights at Freddy's as well. And I forgot uh, Insidious and Pet Cemetery Bloodlines mm. and Shazam. <laughs> you know, the highs this year were super high, like Bo is Afraid and, you know, uh, and Saltburn and Godzilla. But the lows, my God. Come on. <laughs> yeah. If I've got if I've got any disappointments, it's it's uh, the Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage had a terrible year. He made two movies that I saw that were just bad. Uh, the Old Way and Butcher's Crossing. They're both westerns and they're both just not good. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Dream Scenario any good? Dream Scenario was was not terrible. I guess he was just so horrible. Like 
the character that he played. It's a bit of an obnoxious movie. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was just such a terrible person that, that kind of, I think both of us said that separately. Like, I feel like I should love this movie because it's Nicolas Cage and 824, <laughs> but, but, yeah, God, but it's he, just like, insufferable. But even Renfield, like he made four movies, five mm-hmm. movies this year. I didn't even get to see one of them. Uh, and Renfield just was one of the bigger disappointments of the year. I thought that I thought Renfield should have been a lot better than it was. Um, yeah. Ferrari was a huge disappointment for me. I, I, I like Michael Mann. I appreciate Michael Mann, but I don't care about some rich fuck who owns a car company who's fucking around on his wife. I, I give a fuck. I could give a fuck. Yeah. Um, I, I know you love it, Bob, but Air was probably an even bigger disappointment for me. I wanted that one to be much better than it was. Um, if, if I was surprised by anything, the Teen Wolf movie was really good this year. I, I, I'm kind of alone on that, but I really enjoyed the Teen Wolf movie. Uh, the Marvels was wonderful. Oh, a movie that we should have mentioned that we haven't. Are, we, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. That movie was oh, incredible. Yeah. Uh, held back only by my my experience of seeing the movie where I was I was the only man in the theater and the women there should, thought that I should not be there. Well, it was a trench coat and that, uh, you know, that really did it. Uh, I did like Poor Things. We've not talked much about Poor Things. It's one of the bigger movies of the year. I do think it's a, a really, a really good movie. It's a top 30 movie for me. Uh, the holdovers as well as another one we've not talked about, but uh, if I, you guys, it's on NBC, it's on Peacock. If you have Peacock, you can watch. It I I actually watched it the other night and it was fine, but I didn't. You know, it was nowhere near my top ten. Mm. So yeah, that's uh yeah. What about Maestro? That's the only movie I haven't seen that we haven't mentioned. Mm. <laughs> uh, did you watch it, uh, Jeff? I did. I was bored. I wasn't bored. I, I thought. I think I think Bradley Cooper is a really good director, and I think he does have a couple of really great scenes. But it comes back to that thing I always talk about, where it's the most acting and the most, yeah. the most that, and it's very big. And uh, at the same time, Bernstein himself, when he performs, when he was conducting, he was big. People keep accusing Bradley Cooper of overdoing it. He was doing Bernstein as Bernstein. Like that, that's not that's yeah. a ridiculous that's a ridiculous criticism. Right? Yes. He's spending six years to learn to be a conductor, maybe a little bit much. I think that's probably uh, overdoing it, but he wasn't overdoing it in those scenes. But uh, there's a scene in the middle or, or early on, I guess, where where it's him and Carrie Mulligan and they go to see one of his Broadway productions as they're practicing it and then turns into this big dance dream sequence. That is lovely. That is a great piece of direction that I, I can definitely hold up and say that I love that and, and that that should be venerated. There's a couple of moments where it reaches that, but the movie just doesn't reach there overall. Yeah. I just, I, I guess I just don't like Leonard Bernstein enough to care. <laughs> I know that no, sounds shitty, but <laughs> Oh God, I, that was, if we had had to watch that for the show, I would have quit. Um, I'm just kidding. I would have been like, Oh, you guys, I'm sick. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I, I just, I like Carrie Mulligan. I don't mind Bradley Cooper, but I don't, I guess it wasn't gay enough. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not ignored, but you know, he, 
you know, pretty much was. I found yeah. it. I found it confounding what exactly he was trying to say about Bernstein's sexuality. Yeah. Uh, because it's I think, and maybe that's intentional because Bernstein was kind of vague and and kind of uh, in in and out of the closet as it served him. Uh, so maybe that's what he was going for, and he didn't want. He was trying to make it subtle. But I think at times he makes it so subtle that I'm not sure everybody understands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you guys most looking forward to this year? Maxine. That's the only one. That's the only movie. I, I am super, super, super <laughs> looking forward to that. The new poster uh, is amazing. It's up on the Facebook page. If you want to take a look at it. Yeah. Uh, I, I looked at a, somebody was passing around a meme of big name movies that are coming out this year. And I didn't, I wasn't interested in the least in any of them, uh, but and they didn't have Maxine on the list. And I'm like, that's the only movie I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to right now. Um, I'm also I'm looking forward to that. Uh, kind of looking forward to a Quiet Place Day One. Mm. Um, I I'm a, I like those movies a lot. Um, so you know, Deadpool if it comes out this year, <laughs> it's supposed to, but who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the I've seen the stuff from the set with Hugh Jackman in the classic Wolverine uh, costume. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm looking looking forward to that. I don't know if I'm necessarily looking forward to like the Joker uh, movie with Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, I like I I like her. I lo- I love Lady Gaga. Um, I just didn't love joker enough you know what i mean yeah i just thought it was a little meh um there is uh this time next year coming out uh the robert eggers nosferatu Mm. i'm really looking forward to that and there's a new jordan peele movie coming out at christmas next year or this year um that i'm i'm really looking forward to those i'm hoping that we have as good a year for horror as we did this year um or last year uh the the fact that you know how i felt about pearl and how i thought that she was robbed just as much as tony collette was for hereditary mm-hmm. i i don't see maxine being the same kind of movie as pearl I don't know if she'll get the chance to, because Pearl is kind of a little outsized character as opposed to Maxine in X. So I'm, I'm hoping that she is this, you know, stays at that level again, uh, as far as characterization so that we can get her a fucking Oscar nomination already. Amen. I got to drop off, but you guys can keep going. All right. Bye. Thanks a lot. Thanks. (laughs) Now we can talk about Sean. Uh, um. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to Civil War, the Alex Garland yeah. movie coming out, uh, and then everything else you guys said. <laughs> uh, when when I found out um, that Kirsten Dunst was in Civil War, mm-hmm. it made me want to see it more. Yeah. Even though, like, I don't, I don't think she's physically possible. Her or Jesse Plemons from doing anything acting wise that is apart from each other now that they're married. But um, when I found out she was in it, I was like, yeah, you know what? Okay. I'll give that a chance. Oh so, no, there's a talk to me too. There's talk to me too. Coming out next year. Oh, from a 24. Um, there's a, uh, 
what's it called? Um, I've got it on a list somewhere. Let me see. Uh, Mickey 17. With uh, It's a Bong Joon-ho movie starring Robert Pattinson. So I'm looking forward to that because he, you know, Bong Joon-ho hasn't made a movie since Parasite. Uh, it's got Robert Pattinson, Mark Ruffalo, and Tony Collette in it. It comes out oh, in March. Wow. That sounds great. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to carry a big notebook that time. Uh, Tradward um, Schultz made a movie. They haven't named it yet, but Jenna Ortega is in Yeah, it. yeah. Looking forward to that. I don't know what it is, but I like him. Uh, we Live in a Time. Florence Pugh. I I saw the trailer for Madam Web and I was kind of into like the idea of that movie until I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm buying Dakota Johnson in that part yet. We'll see. Um, there's that new Godzilla versus Kong. That's the same. Uh, apparently the same stuff as the ones, the other American ones. I don't know. Um, Challengers looks kind of fun, but we'll see. Um, Then there's a God, what's the, I was just, I don't know. There's a, a, another Bloomhouse movie that I know is going to be stupid and looks like it's kind of in the vein of Megan. Um, about a killer teddy bear or something. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a new Planet of the Apes movie that I'm. I like all of the Planet of the Apes movies, even the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as I know, this has this is probably closer to the. Um, from the trailer, anyway, it looks like the classic ones. You know where the humans are all. Um being kept by the apes in captivity. It looks a little closer to the Charlton Heston one. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like those movies enough that even the bad ones are good to me. So hopefully that doesn't suck too bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a, a sequel to Twister coming out. God, no. Called Twisters. That's stupid. There's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. What's that? There's a Ghostbuster movie coming out too. Oh yeah, I had I I didn't know that they were gonna make a sequel so quickly, but apparently. And Jason Reitman um, didn't direct it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. M Night Shyamalan has a new movie coming out called Trap. Uh Dune M. Night Shyamalan two. has been working nonstop for the past quarter century, but there's something especially succinct and expedient about his run of modestly budgeted one world tit- one word titles. Split, glass, old, and now trap. Um, riding the ship after the more complicated if conceptually streamlined knock at the cabin. Little is known about Shyamalan's latest beyond that it'll be set at a concert. So Okay. And allegedly, there's an alien movie coming out in August, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I loved the Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know, Furio- Furiosa. I haven't really seen anything on that. But 
Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Beetlejuice 2, Transformers 1, Saw 11. Which, I mean, what are they going to do? Right. Now I'm just naming movies. <laughs> Deadpool 3, <laughs> Borderlands, I'm curious, because that's Eli Roth again with a real cast. I, I want to see how he does with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that Jamie Lee Curtis has been talking about how great it is, but Jamie Lee Curtis also said that about Halloween ends and look right. how that turned out. Yep. But we got <laughs> Thanksgiving, Terrifier 3. Though you're not as into those, are you? You're kind of you oh, kind of broke up there. Terrifier so. three, where you you're you're not as big a Terrifier fan as uh, most horror fans, or? Well, I saw the first one before you know everybody was like on the on the bandwagon for two. Uh, I saw the I saw two, and I didn't love it as much, partially because it was two and a half hours long, and it didn't need to be. Right. Um, I think that from what I've heard about Terrifier three. It's a Christmas movie, so that really interests me. Uh, I like, you know, everybody in it. I like David Howard Thornton. He's a really cool guy. I've met him at a couple shows. Um, Damien Leone, same thing. So I, I, they get to do what they get to do because of the fact that the first one was so successful and the second one built upon that. So I'm, I will see this one in the theaters. You know, I'm sure because of the popularity, I'm sure that it'll it'll get a wider release than the last two, apparently. So, right. Yeah. And I had heard him on a podcast talking about how they had to totally redo the ending because it had the same exact ending as X or I think it was X. Uh, And they had to. But X came out before they did. So they heard about the ending of X and they had the then rework the ending without shooting anything new. They just had to rearrange the scenes, and uh, that's part of why it ended the way it did. I guess the whole thing in the hospital or whatever was more in the middle of the movie, and they ended up cutting it down to just a few seconds. I don't know. It's, oh. uh, and they still managed to make a fun, watchable movie out of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't... I have not paid attention to really what's coming out, so we've just been naming them but i guess the new spider-man beyond the spider-verse i'm curious to see how they wrap that up because i did not like the last one because they just left it like a tv show ending uh yeah but i'm i'm ready for that to save that if that makes sense right 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 i think that one of the things that i i i mean i liked both of the first two but Mm -hmm. one of the things that kind of kept me from loving the middle one was the fact that it was just the middle one. Right. And it wasn't, it seemed a little bloated in order to make it a three part, you know, like to add, to make the third part, they kind of had to expand this one. And I think that story, like, I think I said it at the time, it could have been condensed and, you know, they could have figured some other way out for, as opposed to a cliffhanger or still had a cliffhanger, but, you know, leaned it down a little bit. Right. I just thought it was a little overbloated for, to make it seem like a full movie to lead up to the next one. Right. And I just hope this one's not overbloated too. And in hindsight, we're going to be like, well, if you just made those two, one movie, it was perfect. Yeah. 
<laughs> Watch it be 30 minutes long. <laughs> and we didn't have enough, so we just said, fuck it. It's put on YouTube. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Um, I don't think so. I think that, you know, like, I, I, I hope that we have <laughs> the same. I hope we have a better, like, slate of movies this coming year with less disappointments. Um, although, you know, we're going to certainly get our outwaters and skin and the ones that everybody, you know, praises to high heaven. And I'm left thinking, what the fuck did you guys watch? Cause that's not what I watched. <laughs> yeah. So. No. And I know there'll be the movies we all disagree on. Uh, oh yeah. But, but that's, what's fun. <laughs> Yeah, here's to a better 2024, so. Yes, absolutely. For everything. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, 2023 sucked outside of the movies. It was a terrible year. (laughs) Oh, God. Like, I I was with a friend earlier today, and she was like, oh, you know, I haven't seen you all most of the year. And I said, yeah, that's because I hid my apartment because everything sucked. Literally everything sucked from the job to the art to the, you know to a certain scream queen that everybody loves still owing me 80 fucking bucks. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, very few high points, but the high points were really high this year. Yes. Yes. You know, um, I'm talking to Lynn Griffin about her her and her husband, both, uh, maybe doing a, doing an interview with me, um, to try to get on the show. They've been sick all, 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 winter so that's awful yeah so we're trying to she reached out and said let's set something up pretty soon so sounds like we'll be doing that we'll do like a little career retrospective and maybe we can use uh you know one of her movies as a classic that week that would be awesome yeah yeah excellent well this was fun and uh, we do need to go to another movie together though and hopefully it's better Well, we, let's let's uh, let's figure, camps. yeah, or even let's figure something out that's going to be at the last picture house because oh, yeah. I haven't been there yet. We gotta do that. For I have sure. not. I thought about going today, and then I just got overwhelmed, and so yeah. But no, yeah, definitely. we'll we'll figure something out. So all right, well, hopefully this year is better than last. <laughs> exactly, and I'll probably see you. Yeah. Just ra- randomly, randomly walking at my job. So, <laughs> all right. All Talk right. See you later. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye.